Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey. Monica. Or Hanlon Production. We don't always get injured, but when we do, we tend to break big because we live so big. It, it kind of just comes with the territory. Hello, it's good to have you back. Or if you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you forgot which podcast you clicked on, that's okay too. You're listening to Living With Mon, the series which explores interesting and alternative lifestyles. I'm your host, Monica O'Hanlon, and I'm chuffed you're joining me for episode two of the pod. Today, we're going in a completely different direction to last week. If you haven't checked out episode one, I would strongly recommend you to have a listen after this one. Right now, though, I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. He's incredibly determined, ridiculously talented, and a completely inspiring guy. His name is Luke Reynolds, and he's a professional strongman. We talk origins of the sport, Luke's journey to become a strongman, and what it takes to be a pro. It's a really fascinating conversation, and Luke is a lovely guy and dead set legend. I really enjoyed this chat, and I hope you do too. What were you like as a kid, and have you always been really sporty? I guess so. I, my first love as a, as a kid was rugby league. Growing up in Western Sydney or in the in the mountains west of Sydney, at least rugby league is pretty much all anybody did, especially back in the nineties um, as a young man. And I ended up playing that for ten years with some success up to a representative level. What drew you to to the strongman scene? Because I, I've heard about it, but I, I don't think it's that popular in Australia. Is that fair to say? Yeah, look, I've been in it for a long time now. I started in 2008 and it's it's sort of awareness within the mainstream has certainly expanded since then and, and it's grown bigger all over the world. But yeah, it's still a fairly niche sport here, if you like. The exposure is increasing. We have uh, professional level shows in Australia now, which is tied in with the Arnold Sports Festival and things like that. So that's definitely helped with the the mainstream awareness and sort of hitching a ride on the back of other strength sports and, and similar things in the fitness industry like bodybuilding and powerlifting and sort of, you know, so that's really helped. But overall, yeah, it's, it's not a huge sport here. And when you're a professional, you have to go overseas to, to really push your career. Places like Europe and the United States, it's, it's much bigger than it is here. And I guess now with COVID, that's kind of made <laughs> things really, really tough, right? Yeah, it has. It's So my, my last international show I did was in... 2019 in Barcelona in September and then I had uh, I was supposed to go to Santa Monica in, in the States in January 2020 but I, I suffered a bad injury and had to withdraw from that and I think that was ultimately probably was going to be one of the last international shows before everything kind of locked down. Can you kind of tell us exactly what it means to be a strong man apart from yeah. being really strong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Strongman itself in its modern form is a is a sport. 
in and of itself. Traditionally and historically, it's not. It was more um, a series of feats performed by either individuals or when you look at places like Scotland, uh, Scandinavian countries, even Japan, North America, uh, a lot of your ancient cultures, there was some form of strength testing or feats performed as, as almost like a a rite of passage when a boy became a man or to test the prowess of potential warriors when they were becoming, you know, a young man into a, into a man and those kinds of things. So a lot of our modern tests, including stone lifting, have, have been borrowed from those cultures. And then even things like your Scottish games, your traditional Scottish Highland games, even the Olympics borrow a lot of those traditional throws. And, and then obviously they borrow from the Greek events like discus throws and stuff like that as well. But strongman itself as a sport now started with the World's Strongest Man competition, really, in, I think the first one was 1977. And a guy called Terry Todd, the late Terry Todd, and David Webster, a Scotsman, they put together a show called World's Strongest Man. And, and the idea was, it was almost like early MMA, where they wanted to bring together athletes, strength athletes, if you like, from various disciplines. Back then, it was like football, wrestling, powerlifting, other established sports and pit them together in a series of sort of um, unusual tests to see who is the overall strongest athlete. And then as that progressed on, uh, like like MMA, it became a sport in its own and, and people have become specialists in strongman competitions. They're no longer powerlifters or football players that come over and, and attempt a contest on the day. We're actual you know, professional athletes in our own right that train strongman specifically. So that evolution's, you know, 40, 45 years old. So in the scheme of things, we're still a very new sport. New and old, I guess, because you're, you're pulling things from all of those ancient cultures and really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And so how did you actually come across it? Because it's a big stretch from like rugby <laughs> and then suddenly <laughs> being involved in the strongman scene. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so rugby league is, is probably one of the better backgrounds to have uh, when coming into strongman because it usually means you are reasonably large and strong, but also you're quite athletic and can move well. So, And that's where strongman differs to, to sports like powerlifting where it's purely static. Strongman requires some level of endurance, some level of ability to move fast and, and be quite agile. So, yeah, football players tend to tend to move across quite well. As far as me getting into it, I uh, I stopped playing rugby league in 2003, and I'd, I'd started lifting weights to to help with that quite young. I, I think I first started touching weights when I was about 11 years old. The school gym, uh, so it was always sort of something I enjoyed doing, but it was always to assist, you know, my other main sporting interests which of course was football but as I yeah as I sort of went through my rugby league career I realized it wasn't probably going to go much further than it had and to be fair I was probably more interested in moving away into an individual sport at that point so I I left league lifted lifted weights and and trained heavily for a couple of years and, and sort of a bit lost in the wilderness because like we said earlier strongman wasn't really a big deal here and, and as I found out later, there had actually been a bit of a golden era of, of strongmen in Australia during the 90s with the Weebix Strongman series that some of the older listeners might remember seeing on television. And that was run by a now friend of mine, David Huxley. But yeah, it, it was it was sort of underground by the time I came through and I, I was looking for opportunities. And a mate of mine called me out of the blue that I hadn't seen for a while, where a guy I used to play football with, and he'd moved away. And he rang me and said, 
there's a local show and they're doing a strongman contest and, and we're looking for guys. And I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. I'd, I'd never tried it. I didn't know it existed here. And it was funny because that that previous sort of Christmas, I'd, I'd been watching a bit of World's Strongest Man on television. I was like, wow, this sport looks really cool. How do I get involved in this? It was almost like fate, I guess, because then I received the phone call about three months later saying, do you want to do a strongman competition? I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So without much idea what I was doing, did a little bit of training and, and went out there. And um, yeah, my mate Dylan and I, we, we actually drew for first place. Wow. And yeah, which was pretty cool. From there, we sort of, the uh, social media hadn't become a big deal as, as much as it is now, I guess, in, in 2000, this was early 2008. And the, the strength community were kind of dwelling on, on forums. If you remember, that was kind of the forum era. And yeah, so I ended up finding a few strength forums. Uh, I was able to get a few leads and, and make some contact with some guys that were actually running competitions. Yeah, and, and sort of the rest is history. We, we managed to get some invitations there, begin to train specifically the, for the sport, and it just took off from there, yeah. That's pretty unreal because then you go from just having a go and obviously doing very well in your first comp, but then going <laughs> pro. Like how does – have you just always kind of excelled in the strongman scene? It took me uh, – I didn't turn pro until 2016, so I was nearly seven or eight years into my career before I turned pro. And that would have made me 30, 31 years old. So, yeah, it, it did take some, some, a lot of time in the sport. I'd, I'd done probably by then nearly 70 competitions, some international stuff. I'd done a fair bit of Highland Games, a fair bit of powerlifting. So by then my resume was pretty strong and I was one of the top guys in the country by that point. And the sport had certainly grown a lot. The way I, I turned pro was I competed in, I think it was my, it must have been my sixth, Australia's Strongest Man competition in late 2015. And at that point, the way to qualify through to become a pro was to win an invitation to the Australian Arnold Pro Show, which was held in March each year in Melbourne. And that was the top level of competition available in Australia. And you have the top top guys from around the world would be invited here to compete in that. And it was part of a world series of, of Arnold events that, that are all over the place. And I... By, I came third at Australia's Strongest Man in 2015, but the two guys ahead of me were already pros. One was the top Aussie and uh, another one was the top Kiwi who was, who was living here. So he was kind of competing as a guest and, and was already a pro. So the pro card pushed down to me, which um, very gratefully I was able to accept and, and moved on into the Arnold Pro Show that following, following March. Yeah, So that was, that was a really a big deal for me because... I, it was something I'd wanted for a long time in the sport to to really be able to stand with guys I'd, I'd admired for so long and, and be counted almost as an equal, you know. Yeah, sick. And did you get to meet Arnie? I've got to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few times, actually, because uh, I've done a fair bit of the Arnold World Series since. So, yeah, no, I, I met him that March, which was really cool. And, and obviously anybody who's really into strength has, has probably looked up to Arnold at some point as an influence and, and you know, just, just about anybody on the planet's watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or, you know, he's aware of yeah. him. So it was, um, it was quite a buzz. But, yeah, then I've, I've met him a few times since at various events around the world and it's always still a buzz for me each time. I get a little bit starstruck still. <laughs> is he a nice guy? He is. He's actually a really cool dude. And he, um, he actually has a real thing for the strongman, like, because he, he was a bodybuilder, but he always had a, a grounding in strength when he was younger as well and, and has great respect for what the strongmen are sort of capable of. So he'll often... 
he'll often come over and have a big chat to us like ah oh, look at the monsters and you know comes and hangs out with us and <laughs> i do i do enjoy him because he's a he's a fun guy so it's cool Oh, it's so nice. Hey, Luke, you just mentioned before you went pro at about 30 or 31. I mean, that's pretty cool because I feel like a lot of people kind of think if you haven't gone pro in a sport, like just generally at like 21 or something, you kind of maybe you don't have that opportunity. But is that pretty common in the strongman scene to to kind of, you know, get to that level later in life? Yeah, it is. You'll find um, – so you've got some – you're freakish outliers guys that are almost common names in in general public uh, public now with strongman like Hafthor Bjornsson from uh you know the mountain from Game of Thrones and Eddie Hall there's you know there's docos of these guys on Netflix they they all turn pro sort of maybe in their early to mid 20s and and the current world strongest man Alexei Novikov from uh the Ukraine is is only 24 he's actually the youngest guy ever to win world strongest man and then a couple of other guys like Kielikowski, a Polish guy, they're, they're all sort of mid-20s and they're extremely talented guys, but you'll find until that recent run of, of fairly young talent coming into the sport, it was always your, your top guys are sort of, and, and kind of the large majority still are, are usually in their late 20s into their 30s. Um, and then you have a few outliers still competing at a high level in their 40s. And it's a, you can't just become that strong overnight. Like it just doesn't happen. No matter how hard you train as a teenager or, or as a young man and or even young woman, because there's a lot of women involved in strong women these days. Yeah, it, it's just a time factor. It really does take that long to become strong enough, especially the level the sport's now evolved to. It's Each year, it just seems to be getting crazier and crazier. If I look back to the early comps that I did, it was it's almost insanely novice compared to, <laughs> to where the sport's grown to now. So, um, yeah, it, it is fairly common. So around 30 is probably a, for, for young people entering the sport at, say, you know, in the early twenties, it's a reasonable expectation that you you have to play a long game if you want to want to go somewhere. So, yeah, that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> and you you mentioned just before stone lifting, which was you know you were talking about the different, I yeah. guess, the heritage parts of of the sport. I saw on your Instagram three times Australian stone lifting champion. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> what what exactly is it? Are you like like literally? lifting stones or how, how does that competition work yeah it was it was as simple as so one of the the iconic strongman events i guess is is the atlas stones and they're, they're big round usually concrete balls the original sets were made back in the late 70s early 80s uh often carved out of sandstone or granite not made out of concrete back then and the idea was that that event sort of paid homage to um, your, your traditional stone lifting cultures, Iceland, Scotland, you know, your Norwegian cultures and, and countries that celebrated strength by and testing it with stone lifting, which, of course, historically, they, they didn't carve stones or make stones. They, they would use natural stones that you would find in rivers or, or on beaches or, in, you know, hillsides. But to make it a more, I guess, standardised version that you can replicate all over the world, we started making them out of concrete and, and made them perfectly round. And so the same test can be applied over and over and, and test people. So the the version of the Australian Stonelifting Championship that unfortunately since COVID's had to stop, but during the early 90s right through, there's a there's a giant Scottish gathering called Bundanoonies Brigadoon held in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. And it's the largest Scot- Scottish gathering in the Southern Hemisphere. And it's a it's a huge big Highland Games, which which is amazing. And early on, I was fortunate enough to be invited down there to um, take part because I was fairly talented at stone lifting. It's, it's sort of my forte as a strongman, and 
I was invited down there and, and they'd been contesting what essentially amounted to the Australian Stonehenge Championships for, for something like 30 years straight. And I got my first turn there really early. Like there was there was a spot available. And, and like I said earlier, the, there was strong memory a bit few and far between on the ground back then because it had, it had kind of gone dormant here. So I was maybe right place, right time with the right skill set. And I was given an early chance there. And But I still, it took me nine years before I won my first title there. So I uh, I won there for the first time in 2016, and then I won 2017, 2018. So I won three in a row. Once I, once I finally broke, huh. broke, it, broke out, I, I managed to win three <laughs> in a row. And then I lost my title in 2019 to a guy from up the Hunter Valley, Scott, after uh, he beat me by one second on, on the stones. So the way the format runs down there was it was just a single stone run, as we call it. So you'd have Giant wine barrels, 1.3 to 1.4 metres high, spaced at five metre spacing across a 25 metre pitch. And then at the foot of each barrel is sits a, a large round stone carved out of sandstone from 100 kilos to 165 kilos in ascending weight. And you start, you start five metres back from the first stone. And on the referee's whistle, you run as fast as you can and load all five of those stones as fast as you can onto those barrels. And the person to load the most stones in the quickest time is the winner. It was as plain and simple as that. It was just a clear cut. Let's see who the best stone lifter is. And, and yeah, I was, I was finally, after a lot of perseverance, managed to win it three times in a row, which was a really big deal to me. So that was that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> cool. It's it's such a, um, you know, like I feel like some sports maybe, or I, I don't know, you know, like with bodybuilding or something, sometimes mm-hmm. like, Maybe aesthetically it looks, you know, it looks great or whatever, but mm-hmm. with you know, lifting like an actual stroke, you could just use that in your everyday life. That's the thing. It's, it's very handy skill set to have strength, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly uh, gives people's perspective when they go, oh, I lifted, you know, this size stone in the yard. And I'm like, yeah, well, we do ones like 10 times bigger than that. And they're like, wow, okay, that's actually – and then – Strongman competitions, uh, often things, certain events are actually borrowed from. So we've got the historical ones, but then you've got things like a farmer's walk is effectively borrowed from like a farmer carrying two milk churns at the same time, uh, like milk urns at the same time or, or two bales of hay at the same time. Again, of course, we scale it up so it's much heavier, but we borrow from traditional movements like that or a yoke carry. So, you know, you might have seen peasants or, or even oxen pulling or carrying yokes historically we'll make them heavier and, and carry a large frame across our back uh, and same sort of thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of historical reference there, but also borrow strength events from, from off the land and traditional feats that, or, or even traditional labours that people would have had to do. And, yeah, that's, that's I guess, what makes it quite a, quite a cool sport as well. Do you ever get, I don't know, like farms or quarries or anything, like trying to get you to like, sponsor the event to have it at their things? <laughs> Just do your, <laughs> their heavy lifting for them? Yeah, it's, uh, look, it's funny you ask because not not them asking us to come down and do their work for them, but Bundanoon Sandstone Quarry down in, in the Southern Highlands, they are the guys that originally supplied the sandstone for that Australian Stonelifting Championship, and, and they originally carved those stones something like 30, 40 years ago. And they came on in recent years, again, under new, new owners, came on and for the 40th anniversary and the lead-up to that, they came on as the major sponsor of that event for us. Uh, sort of, sort of, you know, linking historically back to where the stone originally came from 
for that event. That was that was really cool of those guys to come on board. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, we've talked about how strong you are because obviously you have to be pretty bloody strong <laughs> to lift big <laughs> stones like that and all the other stuff. But can you walk us through kind of a, a day in the life? Because, yeah, like I'm just curious, like how do you get to that level? So strongman being a sort of an underground sport and when we're at professional level in, in strongman, I guess, it's more of a, a professional athlete in name only because there's not really a lot of money in the sport. So when you when you travel, there's there's prize money, there's there's appearance fees, you, a lot of your travel gets covered and things like that. But there's there's probably only a few guys in the whole world that are actually full time professional strongman making a living from the sport. So most of us here still have jobs or other income streams and and you know things that we we do along with being it. So we're kind of kind of normal people still as well. So a regular day would be. So recently I was peaking for that competition down in Victoria and a regular day would be wake, wake up in the morning like anybody else, um, have breakfast and then head, head straight down to the gym to meet my training partner down there. Train, train with him for two or three hours and then I'm, my uh, main job I guess at the moment is also I'm a strongman coach and um, I saw so I'm working at a, at a facility with two mates of mine who are also coaches we're sort of building a big brand there but also te- uh, coaching a, a big team of athletes and so yeah what I would do is then probably go from there eat head over to that gym or link up with Andy my um sort of my business partner if you like and we'd have meetings or go over training regimes go over his training regime because he's also a strong man um, or I would then sit down and do some programming have a bit of time in the afternoon where I'd relax a bit, eat again, and then and then maybe head over and do some coaching. So like in person at the thing, come home at night like anybody else, have dinner, and then, yeah, watch, watch some TV and go to bed or, or read and go to bed. So it's, it's, it's not an overly exciting difference to anybody else, I guess. It's just that the first thing I would do in the morning instead of getting up and going to work was get up and go to my work, which is, which is you know, go down and train. Nice one. And and you mentioned like eating. I guess yep. everyone eats it. <laughs> Stupid thing to say. But are you on a like a are you on a special diet or anything? Not especially. I it's, it's something I've struggled with as a as a pro strongman. I mean to to give you an idea, I'm I'm two meters tall and hundred and seventy kilos body weight at competition weight. In between competitions I like to let my body weight come down to about hundred and sixty kilos because I feel a little bit better and I don't necessarily have to be that heavy in between contests. So I'm probably eating close to 5,000 calories a day, which is probably double or triple what a lot of normal people would be eating. But as far as strongmen go, it's actually quite quite a small amount. A lot of guys out there be eating between five and 10,000 calories a day. And I, I don't really have a special diet as such. I just eat 
what I know I need to eat. And, and I stretch that out over probably eight meals slash snacking periods throughout the day. And to be honest, I have a bad habit of eating a lot later in the day because I've realized I haven't eaten enough earlier in the day. <laughs> That's just me. But yeah, as far as strict goes, it's, it's not like you would imagine um, like, a, like a bodybuilder doing, for instance, where they really watch every single thing that goes in their mouth. Because again, like we said earlier, it's that subjective aesthetic that they're, they're sort of looking for from their sport. So it's, it's a little bit of a different thing, whereas ours is more of a performance-based thing. So for me, the biggest thing is just getting sufficient calories and, and uh, hydration. Do you have a go-to like brekkie lunch and dinner? Not really. That's the other thing I, that I struggle with is I, I change my mind on what I like all the time. So I'm constantly <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> I constantly be like, yep, this is great now, but then tomorrow I'm fed up with that and I don't want to eat that again. So I've got to constantly, you know, we're constantly coming up with different things for, for me to eat. So to answer that question, not really. I mean, at the moment, this sounds this will sound mundane, but at the morning I'm waking up and eating a bowl of Special K, would you believe? Uh, <laughs> and then I might eat some um, Chobani yogurt as well and, and then try and get some water in. So that, that's my first move for the day. What about, do you, do you have to eat a lot of egg whites or anything? I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to think of what strong people eat. <laughs> yeah, look, look, protein's, protein's a big one, of course especially at the moment I'm eating quite a few eggs during the day. But yeah, protein's a big one, of course, for, for really anybody like for, for recovery from sports, you, you definitely need to make sure you get in enough of that. So not really egg whites again, because, because I'm not a bodybuilder, the, the additional fat in the, in the egg yolks is welcomed, I guess, for me. It's not, it's not really an issue for me. I don't need to separate that out. But yeah, you know, lean cuts of meat are a good ideas if people eat meat. I know there's quite a few vegetarians and vegans entering the sport these days as well. So that's that's on them to work out how to get sufficient calories themselves and make sure they're getting that right protein to recover. Yeah, you, you have to stay on it, but it's it's not as great a focus as, as you might think. Yeah, I guess we've kind of covered it. But how would you say being a strong man affects your lifestyle? The biggest impact is usually if I have an injury. So especially now, like I'm, I'm 35, almost 36 years old now. So, I've, you know, doing the sport for nearly 14 years and then rugby league before it, I've, I've taken some hits over the years and had quite a lot of surgeries and, and injuries and, and whatnot. I think the biggest thing day to day is, is managing pain because when your body wears down, there's, there's a fair amount of pain that you just have residual pain. You know what I mean? Like, you just aches and, and sound like an old man, but just aches in different <laughs> joints and and then old injuries sort of rear in their head, especially this time of year when it starts to get a little bit colder. That actually that actually does happen. I was sitting there last night and I'm like, God, my feet are aching for no reason. I'm like, no, it's not no reason. It's you've bashed yourself for 20 years. That's why. <laughs> it's, it's usually the biggest impact is if you actually have an acute injury. Yeah, because, I mean, lifting stones and, you know, heavy stuff, I can imagine if you do have a little trip up or something, I, I guess the consequences can be pretty severe, right? Yeah, yeah. We have some, it's, it's funny, we don't always get injured, but when we do, we tend to break big because we lift so big. So like I'm, I'm sitting here right now and I can look down at my forearms and I've got quite severe scars on them from uh, some bicep reattachment surgeries I've had um, where I've had both sides torn off and I've had knee surgeries, various knee surgeries over the years and a lot of guys will end up with shoulder problems and shoulder surgeries and, you know, it, it kind of just comes with the territory. But, yeah, it, when we break, we break uh, big time and you're often, you're often straight under the surgeon's knife to have something repaired. So, unfortunately, it's um, 
just something you have to accept if you're, if you're going to move into strength sports or any form of extreme sport that there's a there is a large risk there yeah totally you got to risk it to get the biscuit right absolutely <laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible uh, term there but anyway um <laughs> luke what would you say your proudest moment of your strongman career it's a good question, that one. I, I get asked that a, a bit, and it's always one I sort of have to sit and think about. To be fair, like I said earlier, turning pro was a big one for me. Like I said, it allows me to stand in lineups and, and challenge and compete against the guys that I always watched on television and, and guys that I always admired and looked up to. So being able to, especially my first pro show, so the, the greatest, you know, nobody will argue this, the greatest strongman of all time is a Lithuanian called Zadrunas Savikas. And he's he's just about retired now, but he he was the guy. Him and another Polish guy, Marius Pudzianowski. As I was growing up watching strongman back in the you know mid two thousands, late two thousands, and and through those two were just the, the the two best of all time. And and by the time I came through, Marius was retired, but Zdrunas was still right at his peak. And and for me to be able to stand in a lineup next to him and and be counted and to go against him and challenge him was was a really big deal for me. It was when I really felt like I'd actually arrived in the sport. And then the three titles at Bundanoon meant a lot to me, the three stonelifting championship titles that we covered already. They they really meant a lot to me as well because I'd tried for so long against so many great stonelifters, international and, and local, to really win that title. I'd come so close so many times as well. I had a lot of second place, a lot of third places there. And it was each year it just seemed like it was an impossible task. And some of my early mentors were were five time champions there, and and I was just like, I just want a single title to to be able to say I sort of at least held my weight against guys of that caliber, and and when I was able to win the first one and and then back it up two more times, again was a really big deal for me. So I, I think those still, um, even though I've gone on to probably bigger shows since, those are probably still my biggest proudest moments. Yeah. Yeah, you've had a pretty epic career. What's the hardest part of being a strongman? It, it wears you down. It's very, very tough mentally and emotionally, especially and obviously physically. But the, the constant pain thing does weigh on you. You're often constantly tired. So you know, the older you get and the more wear and tear on you, you, you do really feel it a lot all the time. And you've really got to mentally steel yourself against that. Doing competitions and, and training as hard as we have to day in, day out, year round to sort of peak and flow for different competitions is it, it, it is wearying. And, you know, I've done 105 competitions in my career now. So that's a, that's a lot of times I've stepped out onto that field and, and challenged myself and challenged others and, and put my body under that kind of duress and then extrapolate that out to how many times we train, which is, you know, probably 300 days out of 365 every year. And, and each session is almost like a war in itself. It, it's like a lot of athletes is there's that serious mental burnout after a while and, I think those are probably the hardest things to to continue on. I've seen so many talented new guys come through that probably should have been better than me, came onto the scene and they burned really brightly for a couple of years. And then I think they, as they tried to step into the higher levels, once they realized it was really going to be a long game to to push into those next ranks and they're really going to have to grind for it. I've seen a lot of them walk away and a lot of them retire early when they, they hadn't really even begun and it was it was a shame to see because they're great guys and, and very talented and would have been interesting to see what they could do. But to be fair, all the talent in the world doesn't doesn't mean a thing if you haven't got the mental sort of capacity and the, and the uh, I suppose, the discipline and, and the heart to, to push yourself and, and drive. So 
yeah, that, that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine it would be um, intense. What about what do you love about being a strongman? Yeah, a, a, another great question. It's Sometimes I don't even know if I love the sport anymore. So it's like I think it's 50-50 love-hate these days. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it, to be fair, as a sport, uh, generally speaking, of course, there's some politics of bickering like in any sport between, you know, promoters, athletes and, and whatever. But overwhelmingly, the majority of the sport is very positive. And there's, there's a real camaraderie in strongman that you don't often see between competitors of other sports where often your biggest rival or nemesis in the sport will also be the one cheering the loudest for you on the on the competition pitch or or is also sort of your biggest fan at the same time. And I, I think that stems from we we crave good, healthy competition and, and want to win, of course, but we want to win under uh, the conditions of, of beating the other guys at their best. So you, you really want to see them succeed so that, if you have success against them, it means your successes are greater, I guess. And I, I guess there's a real honor in that. And um, a lot of the friendships I've made over the years around the world, especially in Europe, it's it's really well regarded in Europe, Strongman. And, and you get treated really well over there by the fans. There's a lot of love. And I, I think that's probably the, the thing I love the most about the sport these days, especially being like, I guess, an elder statesman of the Australian scene. Yeah, I, I think the relationships and friendships from the sport are, are probably the best thing. Oh, that's beautiful, Luke. I love that. That's great. <laughs> All right. Um, I have I've used up so much of your time, which I really appreciate. But let's end with what are your hopes and dreams for the future? People, uh, because I've been around so long and they've seen the injuries I've been through, and, and you know, it's like there's there are quite a few new talented young dogs coming through the sport now, and. People are often throwing the R word at me, that retirement word, and it's, it's sort of like, oh, are you still going to go? Are you still going to retire? And I, I sort of keep holding it back. I'm like, well, at the moment, I'm actually in lifetime best form. I'm getting stronger, getting better with every competition, and, and I'm still hungry to to compete at World's Strongest Man, to continue to compete at that that world level. So as far as I'm concerned, as, still as, as long as I still have that drive, I still have goals. I, I have unfinished business. So I'm yet to compete at World's Strongest Man. That's probably my biggest goal still. I'd like to get back if, if COVID ever lifts. I'd like to get back and, and be competing back in Europe again against um, you know some, some great athletes over there at a, at a very high level. So I'll, I'll continue with the sport. But what I'm really enjoying these days is, is moving into the coaching space and the mentoring space. So I have a lot of goals there. I, I, I'm enjoying mentoring and coaching young athletes, male and female. I'd like to move into a lot of mentoring in the future, possibly you know with troubled, troubled young, young men. Because I see sport is a is a really good way to to help a lot of people like that, or or at least give them some structure in their lives and a focus for their energies. So I have some goals and aspirations in in that field. But at this point, I'm I'm really loving and enjoying the the coaching side of things, passing on my knowledge, watching watching my athletes come through and and have their own successes and and kick their own goals. And um, yeah, that's really giving me a lot of fulfilment. I just like to highlight that. There's a really big strong woman scene in Australia now as well and, and the world over. Probably the last five, six, seven years, it's really kicked off as a sport in its own right as well. The, the girls are definitely having a great impact and seen some amazing feats. So anybody listening to this who thinks this was purely about a guy's sport, don't think that at all because there, there really is a great presence from our women in the sport these days. Some really talented athletes coming through, which is very exciting. 
What an absolute legend. If you want to follow Luke on social media, I've popped all the info in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And if you did, the best way you can show support is to rate and review this podcast wherever you listened. Each and every one helps other people find the pod. And as an independent creator, it really helps me out. Now, if you are looking for other things to listen to, I have a bunch of other series. There's Dying with Mon, Northeast Arnhem Land with Mon, and Would You Rather, which is a bit different. If you enjoyed the Choose Your Own Adventure Goosebump books, it could be right up your alley. Now, if you have any ideas for new episodes or series or things you'd like me to explore, I would love to hear them. I've also chucked my contact details in the show notes. I'm on email, Facebook or Instagram. So whatever works for you, I'd love to hear your thoughts. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. My name is Monica O'Hanlon and that was Living With Mon. Catch you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.